0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did.
1: Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. What's up, y'all? It's Scotty Hines here, back uh, with Pastor Jeff Luddington, lead pastor at Generations Church. Um, Jeff, how are you, my friend?
0: I'm well this morning, man. How are you? You seem like you, uh,
1: you're a little sli- sleepy there. I, it seems like oh, I wasn't at first, and then all of a sudden you hit record, and I went to sleep. It says uh, <laughs> uh, <the screen> <laughs> good timing, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, what is funny. it? Uh, uh, people, was it narcolepsy where you could just drop asleep? Is
0: that what it is? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's uh, we are podcast narcoleptics. That dude, that would yeah. be a great podcast title. <laughs> Hey, join us today, man! Our on our podcast, Podcast Narcoleptics.
1: Oh, it'd be through the Bible, and we would just play ancient Chuck tracks
0: on slow motion. Oh, here we go. We're gonna get in trouble. His um his
1: gaps, but anyhow, those that's of funny. you who are listening, I am I oh, am uh, the uh,
0: pregnant pause. You're talking about the pregnant pause. Yeah, oh, it's just Chuck Smith. For those of you don't know, I am a I. Uh,
1: it's a Calvary Chapel joke. It's because we appreciate and are thankful for men like Chuck Smith. By the just want that on the record. But the man had great pauses, and it made for great humor. And yep. um, I hope I want to teach that discipline to my son. <laughs>
0: you know what, man? I had, a, I had Chuck Smith for a teacher for two years in, uh, in school. I had him for one class that ran uh, over four, four semesters and uh, loved Pastor Chuck. Uh, he did a, a, just a, a class on the church. And we did, we used to tease him. He knows, he used to tease himself. The pregnant yeah. pause. That guy would finish a sentence and nothing. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, say something. The attention was hilarious. Oh yeah, dude, that, was, that is fun. All All right, right. Before just show we get you, man. ourselves in trouble, man, we, oh, yes. should, okay. uh, we should, hey, and and if for those of you who don't know Pastor Chuck Smith, man, he passed away a couple years ago and history will record Pastor Chuck as... Man, a legend—a man who started a movement—and uh, to be fair, where uh, Pastor Scott and I both, we get our our desire to preach through whole books of the Bible. I got that absolutely. from Chuck Smith, so for absolutely. sure, there are some embedded things in me because of him. Now, I don't fit theologically in a Calvary Chapel, and 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 we joke about different things, but I absolutely owe my uh, my style of teaching and my emphasis on teaching whole books of the Bible. I owe that to Pastor Chuck. So God bless him, you, know man. I, I know he is a saint.
1: You know what I think of when you say that, brother? And and, and I know we're going to kind of bookend this too at the end is, it just came to my mind is when Paul says one one preaches, right? One plants, one waters, but God brings yeah. to Just to Just to show like we have matured in our faith. Yeah, theologically, we may not line up everything with Calvary, but we could say, man, those people had a huge watering yeah. on my, you know, God has done in my life. So,
0: yeah, you know what, I think, uh, and this is for another day, I'm sure, for a, a, another conversation, but people who can appreciate people that believe differently than them, you know, because the Christian down the street who believes in a different theological stream or believes different things about the end times or different things about gender and leadership or whatever else, right? Yes, we disagree in areas. Okay, great. But we also agree in areas and we can learn from them. And, and so, Absolutely. it's you know, it's always good to uh, to recognize the strengths in people, and for, for Pastor Chuck, man, tons of strengths, and one of them was his love for, and he would, he did differently, he preached from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, then he'd start over in Genesis, so he'd go all the way through that, but I did learn an appreciation of preaching through whole books of the Bible from him, so sure. I appreciate that. So back well, to no hey, grace and gratitude, yes. man. that's what I want YouTube, to get to, yes. Episode 31, we're doing the heidelberg catechism if you're unfamiliar if you happen to stumble across us today the heidelberg catechism is a way of teaching or discipling uh like a father to a son or you know from pastor or discipler to a disciple Uh, and it's a way of doing this by memorizing questions and answers and just like we memorize truth in school we memorize what happened in 1492 that you know uh, we happen to what happened in 1770. We, re, we memorize the answer because it's true. And so uh, we remember and memorize biblical truths, and then we do that by a question and answer system. So today uh, is our final episode in the grace section. So guilt, grace, and gratitude comes from the three categories of the Heidelberg Catechism. It starts out with guilt what is our guilt and our need for a savior? And then grace, how did Jesus accomplish that salvation? And then gratitude will start in next week in the next episode of how do we live in response to that? So today is the final one in grace that that's important to this conversation today because it starts to sound like we're drifting into gratitude, but it's not yet. This is a means of grace. And so I'm going to leave it there. We'll pick that language up in just a second. Uh, So I'm going to read the question, and Pastor Scott's going to answer the question like a father to a son, or again, like a disciple to a disciple. We have three questions and answers today. If you're a Heidelberg Catechism fan, this is Lord's Day 31, questions 83, 84, and 85. And so if you're not, this is just a conversation about the church today. All right, ready?
1: I'm ready, brother. Let's do this.
0: All right, man. Question 83, what are the keys of the kingdom
1: the preaching of the holy gospel and christian discipline towards repentance both of them open the kingdom of heaven to believers and close it to
0: unbelievers question 84 how does the preaching of the holy gospel open and close the kingdom of heaven According
1: to the band of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened by proclaiming and publicly declaring to all believers, each and every one, that as often as they accept the gospel promise in true faith, God, because of Christ's merit, truly forgives all their sins. The kingdom of heaven is closed, however, by proclaiming and publicly declaring to unbelievers and hypocrites that as long as they do not repent, the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them. God's judgment both in life and in the life to come is based on the gospel testimony.
0: All right, question 85, our final question for the day. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by Christian discipline? According to the man of Christ, oh,
1: excuse me, according to the command of Christ, those who through those, ah, those who, though called Christians, profess unchristian teachings or live unchristian lives, and who after repeated personal and loving admonition admonitions refuse to abandon their errors and evil ways, and who, after being reported to the church, that is, to those ordained by the church for that purpose, fail to respond also to the church's admonition. Such persons the church excludes from the Christian community by withholding the sacraments from them, and God also excludes them from the kingdom of Christ. Such persons, when promising and demonstrating genuine reform, are receiving again as a member, or received again as a member of Christ and of His Church.
0: Ooh, all right. Yeah, I hope I did okay there. You did good, man. Uh, you know what? It is. It is a. It is a long thing, man. Memorizing things, by the way, is, as we teach this to our kids. I know that Scott, you do this with uh, with Brooklyn and Ryan. You do the New City Catechism. And as yes. people, as as we read, as we uh, memorize, we do that. Sometimes, man, it's just things don't come easily. Like we got to think about. And what's funny is once we memorize them, there's a weird shift that happens. It's kind of like we've memorized the Pledge of Allegiance. Like when we were kids going to school, we said a Pledge of Allegiance. I have it memorized. But if you ask me what it says, like, what am I yeah. really repeating? Yeah. I have to think about it. You know what I mean? I have to say it and then realize what I'm saying. Sometimes it's in the it's in the learning of things and memory is before we just have them memorized. And it's, you know, after we've been reading them and wrestling with them. That's where we're really learning and we're conscious of it. So it's it's yeah. man, I would say this: it's in that process that we grow so much. For sure, for sure. All oh. right. So I want to read you a quote today. If you're listening, um, I wanna quote it's Belgic Confession, Article 29. Now, if you're unfamiliar. When we talk about the Heidelberg Catechism, that is one thing that as a Reformed church we hold to. We believe that Scripture is the authority. That's the, that's the authority over us. We believe that the things in the Heidelberg accurately represent what we believe in our tradition. Now, it's not perfect. In fact, you've heard me kind of pick a fight with um, how it frames what happens with Jesus. In uh, that the, the confession and the catechism in our modern-day translation says that Jesus goes to hell we've picked a fight with that. And I would say the original version of the creed and the original version of the catechism don't say that. So that's that's for another day. So I only say that because the catechism, though we believe it's true, it's only as true as scripture bears it to be true. Scripture is the ultimate authority. That's but right. we are a confessional church. We do have confessions about what we believe. One of them is the Belgic Confession, along with the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Those are called the three forms of unity. So if you're listening right now and none of that makes sense, just understand as a reformed tradition, we have some documents that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old that we believe accurately re- represents what we see in Scripture. It and it shrinks, if you will, it shrinks the truths of scripture down into something usable. Because the scriptures, the Bible's huge. And so how do we how do we summarize it? And that's what these creeds and confessions are. And we believe them to be true. Belgic Confession in Article 29 says this. The true church can be recognized if it has the following marks. The church engages in the pure preaching of the gospel. It makes use of the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. And it practices church discipline for correcting faults. So the true marks of the church are the pure preaching of the gospel, the pure administration of the sacraments, and church discipline. That's what it says. Those are the three things that a true church will have. You know
1: what's cool about that too, uh, Jeff, is the Belgian confession, written at a different time in a different location, um, is really affirming or what I would say in reverse, the Heidelberg is affirming the same yeah. theology in the Belgian, and it just shows the unity of the spirit you know across yeah. cultures, and when we really engage what Christ is doing, we start to value the same principles. It's really good, man. I like that Yeah. I like how they are you know, very
0: much uh, very twin brothers in a sense. <laughs> You know, and they're called the three forms of unity, right? They agree with each other, even though, again, like you said, so, um, you know, one's written in Dort, one's in Heidelberg, and and the Belgian Confession is uh, ancient France, right? Heidelberg actually predates Germany, uh, but it is in in what is now modern-day Germany and written in a language that was a lot like German is today. And they're written a decade or two apart, and yet they do, there was... In different nations, in different languages, there was common belief, and that's important to our conversation today. And what's more important than common belief 500 years ago is, is that we have this same thing in Scripture. Of course, for us, Scripture's always the highest authority, but then again, we're saying that these capture what we believe about Scripture. So, our series in this podcast is about connecting what was written long ago to modern day things and now so we have some cultural issues today that are gonna fight this cultural issues today and i don't know if this actually came from the tv series friends but it was co- made popular around that era that whole statement hey don't judge me right hey don't judge me you know blah 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 right yeah and so people will say today that one person is not allowed to judge another in fact christians for a long time have said hey god tells you not to judge people that's not true the bible tells people not to judge them eternally that that is only something that god can do right we don't know their hearts but we can see what they do right then there's the whole other thing about being a judge like a guy with a gavel and a robe or a male or female i don't mean just a guy you know i know we live in a politically correct world i gotta i gotta uh. i gotta i gotta make sure that we get that in there no so anyhow a person that holds the office of judge that's different but then we are actually called to judge one another, like yeah. judge the fruits of, right? And and that kind of judge means discern, right? So yeah. as human beings, we are to discern right and wrong, but there's also warnings. With the same measure measure that I judge you, Jesus says, God will judge me. So yeah. I'm not to come at this and just look at you and ignore my own sin. That's Jesus' whole parable of why do you presume to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a log in your own eye?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, so, man. It's as oh, no. Go ahead. No, I'm gonna say it's as if the pendulum has swung. I mean, if you just take us back mm. to pre-re- pre-Reformation, uh, what, a little over 500 years ago, or uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just a little over 500 years ago, we have the extreme uh, in you know uh, practice of the law with the Catholic Church, and it's and then you have the Reformation. It feels like it feels like we've just come to the complete opposite end. And we're just so ODing grace. We don't understand discipline. And yeah. um, I'm glad we're talking about it, man, because as I even look back and kind of give a th- like a like the three questions and span out and give it more of a mile high view, man, it gives real practical understanding and it values discipline, right? And you understanding your position before God with the first question. And then the second one is accepting his promises. And that's probably the biggest challenge I've noticed in my walk is like bumping heads with God's promises and then like, I. Yeah. Uh, gotta repent and accept his truth because mine's obviously not right and then you know make it make it a practice um what unchurchy looks like you know hmm. and um, that's good hopefully, hopefully that could put some more of the law we stay in grace but start to understand the law properly we can apply it properly that's a whole other act, but um yeah that's good a though. little more in our church understanding yeah
0: so um, I think, man, and, and uh, I'm going to throw a curveball. If you're listening to this podcast right now, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but uh, I think there's a good time to say, hey, let's do a part one and a part two of this. Right, Scott, you open You open to that? I'm open to that, man. It's a good discussion. That's good because we're recording. So you have to be because you <laughs> could never stop a recording and edit. That's not allowed ever, right? So, hey, I, I kid, right? So. Question 83 asks the question What are the keys of the kingdom? Now, keys is a metaphor. Kingdom, it's talking about the kingdom of God, right? It goes on and talks about your answer was the preaching of the Holy Gospel and Christian discipline towards repentance, right? Both of them open the kingdom of heaven to believers and close it to unbelievers. We'll get back to that. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, eternity is what it's talking about. What are the keys to eternity? What are the things that lock and unlock? Eternity is the question being asked. The answer is the Holy Gospel and Christian discipline. So Belgic Confession says the right or the pure preaching of the gospel, the pure administration of the sacraments and church discipline. So the next question asks about the first thing, how does the preaching of the Holy Gospel open and close the kingdom of heaven? Your answer was great, right? Well, to be fair to everybody, your answer was what's written in the catechism. So, of course, (laughs) that's right.
1: (laughs) It should uh, be everyone's
0: answer. (laughs) There you go. So, the kingdom of heaven is opened by proclaiming and publicly declaring to all believers, each and every one, that as often as they accept the gospel promise of true faith, God, because of Christ's merit, God, because of what Jesus did, truly forgives all their sins, right? The kingdom of heaven is closed, however, by proclaiming and publicly declaring to unbelievers and hypocrites that they, if they do not repent, the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them. So the message here is that the gospel proclaims the truth of God. And what happens is we see the response in people, right? Is that fair? Yeah. Fair. Yes. The second yeah. one yeah. is how is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by Christian discipline? So if the gospel is proclaimed, most Christians today, if they believe in judgment at all, which... People that confess to be Christians don't often have themselves really grounded in a lot of the doctrines of Christianity. One of them would be heaven and hell. They love heaven. They don't so much love the idea of there being a real literal physical hell. Yeah. So if that's the case, if they get this far, they would agree that only in Christ is heaven and apart from Christ is hell. Now, I know some Christians would even argue there. So, again, Christians at different levels pressing into different doctrines. Here we go. This next one though, a lot of Christians would argue with, how is the kingdom of heaven open and closed by Christian discipline? Well, according to the command of Christ, those who are called Christians profess unchristian teachings or live unchristian lives and who after repeated personal and loving admonitions refuse to abandon their errors in evil ways, who after being reported to the church, and that's where it's gonna go south, right? That is to yeah. those ordained by the church for that purpose fail to respond to the church's admonitions such persons from the church, such persons the church excludes from Christian community by withholding the sacraments for them. God also excludes them from the kingdom of Christ. Okay, so let me just unpack that really fast. If you're listening right now, here's what it says. If you are living in a way contrary to the gospel, the leadership of the church is called to lovingly call you back to repentance, right? But if you do not come back to repentance, that the church in love, should withhold from you baptism or communion. Now, that's baptism only if you've never been baptized, if you're coming to faith. Communion, if you're a follower of Jesus and you continue to live in sin. Now, when we talked about communion, you back up three podcasts, I think it was. uh, We talked about confessing sin and being repentant before you come to communion, right? And if not, there's a negative implication. We talked about that two podcasts ago. So if leadership of the church loves people, they will not let them pursue sin that's bad for them. They will also, if they continue in unrepentance, will not let them take the sacraments because it's bad for them if they do. Is that fair? Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very true, man. As a matter of fact, I think that the passage where uh,
1: the necessity to deal with sin in such a harsh way is when Jesus says a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. And I really believe as believers, you know, as they really understand sin and the implications of what it will do to a church in the long haul, they would receive discipline a lot more readily. Because right. you're understanding why we're being disciplined, man. Yeah, you know, you got to kill it. You have to kill the sin. And, and um and a strong word, but you have to, before yeah. the leaven gets to the whole loaf, man. Right. And that is definitely a Forgive me, grace. man. We're
0: doing this podcast at home under coronavirus conditions. And somebody rang my doorbell. I have two pit bulls. <laughs> One of them lost their stuff. So forgive me. Ah. So I want to do this, I want to, because I want to press into this section. I think this is really hard for people to understand. So we'll do a part one and a part two here. Sounds good. But I want to say this. One of our cultural issues today is, I, I, I said there's a whole host of cultural issues here. One, Christians don't have common agreement and belief, right? Like I just mm. said, man, a lot of Christians sitting in churches today don't even believe in hell. You know, and and recently, a famous preacher, not recently, but a decade ago, a famous preacher wrote a book just completely saying there is no hell. I mean, it was horrible, right? So then there's hell. Well, then if there's no hell, then there's not a, a literal physical right and wrong. There's not a, you know, if that's the case, does everybody go to heaven? Then why do we obey it all, right? Then it's just for people to appreciate God and want to do for God like they're doing him a favor, right? And yeah. so then there's all this disbelief. Then there's a cultural thing, not Christian, but cultural thing about not judging one another. And that that's kind of rooted in relativism. Hey, what's right yeah. for you or wrong for you? It's not necessarily right for me or wrong for me. There's no absolute truth. That's existentialism, right? So yeah. existentialism, there is no absolute truth. Relativism, there are different truths, right? Pluralism, of there's all kinds of different pathways to get towards God or towards truth or whatever. The Bible's against all those things. It says there's an absolute black and white, right and wrong. Now, not everything's black and white. Some of these things are hard to learn in our own context, but there's absolutely a right and a wrong thing. And we are called to do what God has commanded us. And as Christian church leaders, you and I as elders in a church, pastors, right, leaders, we are called to walk with people towards their obedience, right? The Great Commission says this, And everybody knows this passage, right? And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, people love to pause there, but it's not. The next verse, 20, right? says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age, right? So teaching them to obey, like be obedient to God. There's a right and a wrong. Teaching them to do all that I've told you to do. Mm -hmm. Part of the church is teaching church people to be obedient to jesus now what do we do if they're not obedient and i want to i want this is where i want to pause but i want to leave i don't know if it's a cliffhanger or whatever but i want to say this what should the church do if people don't consent to obeying christ not obeying the church obeying christ right one of the things that scripture says that the catechism makes very clear is then begin to withhold from them functions of the church. Now if you're listening to this today and you just think man the church is crazy, the church is hypocrites, the church is this, the church is that, man you got one set of things you got to work through. But even people that love the church, a lot of them would say this man if my church ever did that to me, I'd go to another church, right? Well see now you're not submitted to the church and clearly Jesus calls us to be submitted to the church. I am submitted, in fact, to you, Scott, as an elder. I am sub- Even though I'm a lead pastor, I am submitted to the Board of Elders. If the elders come to me and say, hey, listen, man, you're insane, we will wrestle through it. I might recognize it immediately. I might not see it. I might argue what we would go to scripture. And if I'm wrong, my job is submitted to not just because they paid me, my role as an elder. I'm submitted to the plurality of elders. I've experienced that. You've experienced that. And, and we've experienced it in love right? Not in anger, discipline, authority, not in weird ways. We've experienced it in love. If we persisted in sin, it would be right for them to remove our role or remove the ability for the sacraments or remove the ability to preach on Sundays, remove roles, right? Well, as the Christian, we start to remove things. The problem is modern day Christianity doesn't value the church enough to where that's actually even a penalty. Wow. That's a great observation, man. That is a great observation.
1: And I think that is a great time to spot, uh, stop. And if you're listening, reflect on that. That is a great challenge, man. Um, one, one good thing Jesus did when he taught is he'd leave his listeners thinking and, and sometimes often speechless. And so as you've heard this, you know, it, it's definitely probably some new harsh truths or maybe it's affirming some convictions that you've been wrestling with in your heart. Man, I, I want to pray and ask you to continue to wrestle through this. And join in next week and listen. First off, thank you for listening this week. But second mm, off, yes. join in, make it discipline, make it a practice and join in and continue to grow in this beautiful grace uh, that we are offering and teaching that we are offering through this Generation Church podcast. We release a new episode every Tuesday. Our series is called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude. We often, sometimes put out special episodes on a Thursday. So please be subscribed, you'll get those as well. If you can, uh, write a review, let us know what you think. Maybe even ask some questions. Uh, go ahead and give it a share. And please, the last but not least, give it a like. Thanks, y'all. Take care.
0: For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G E N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.